Hello and welcome back to the Down to the Wire podcast. We are here again to talk about, um, well, the Formula One again. Uh, we've just had uh, Portimao um, in Portugal and we'll also be looking ahead to the next race because we've got back-to-back races, which is exciting. Um, looking forward to Barcelona. Jack, how are you doing? I'm quite good. Uh, in terms of all-round feeling... There wasn't too much sport this weekend apart from the Formula One, like the Man United Liverpool game didn't even go ahead. So, yeah, I, I found the found the race this weekend okay. I I believe you think, thought it was a little bit better, but uh, than I, I did. Really but I don't it, know. Yeah. I I I'd be honest. I, maybe it's because I'm living on a high from the first two races because they they were particularly exciting. Um, maybe I just have too high ambitions uh, for every single race but I don't know I thought this one went down a little bit uh, only because it was a bit like uh, typical Hamilton Um, I mean it was nice not to have a red flag Um, oh I don't know I mean it's nice not to have a red flag because it means somebody hasn't you know had a really big crash but at the same time (laughs) I love the I love the variance I think it was such a scheduled routine in terms of everybody had their plan going into it and nothing really changed. There was nothing to adapt to. And I think that's no. that's some of the fabric of Formula 1 is your adaptability. And I felt like this weekend was one for the... Not the, not for the purists, because the purist sounds like it's somebody, you know, a really boring race and nothing happened. But more no. so for the person who d- yeah. likes just flat out car versus car, driver versus driver, who's who's quickest. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. As in, it wasn't... Um... Yeah, as in, like, when you, like you say, when you say purist, it can sometimes mean, like... You know, boring. But as in, it, it, I think it was more that you know, like you didn't have the kind of like unknowns, I guess, of like oh, mm-hmm. wet or intermediate. Um, Hamilton's fighting back. Is he going to get second? It wasn't really like that, was it? It no. was in. Uh, it was like watching you know. a game of checkers instead of chess. It's like yes, we all know the rules beforehand. Nothing's going to change, and it's forward and backwards. There's no yeah. variables going on. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, right, should we properly get stuck in then? Because we've got, uh, got quite a lot to cover, really, between this race that's just happened and the race that's coming up. So uh, we'll uh, we'll get started. Yeah, let's do that. Um, right, should we start off with perhaps some of the um, more frequent to- uh, talking points of the weekend? Yeah, I mean, in particular, the the wind was something... That I mean, the commentary, but also the drivers and team principals couldn't stop talking about all weekend. Mm. It was, I think, as you say, the undulations, word I learned from you last week, with all of these undulations on the circuit. Uh, of course, you've got parts of the track which are more exposed, mm. particularly to the wind. And it did seem this weekend that the, the Honda-powered cars, I'm not saying because that's a Honda issue, but the basically Red Bull and Alpha Tauri when I say the Honda-powered cars, uh, they seem to have the biggest issue of it, probably because of their really, really high rake. Do you think that is the reason? Um, I don't know, to be honest. It's a bit of a tricky one, because, um, you know, I think the thing with Portimao is that it's not just the fact that there are undulations. Um, <laughs> it's the fact that at the highest point of the circuit, like they said it during commentary, like something like 240 metres above... Uh, sea level that is yeah, exposed so it, yeah so it's, it's not just the fact that the track goes up and down it's the fact that it's kind of exposed and like in the open I guess mm-hmm. um, you know it's not really sheltered in any way so you know I don't know whether it's purely down to the high rake but yes it, it seemed to be that the 
um, the Honda powered cars, for whatever reason, were affected more by that. But then, you know, that could just be a, a, a downside of the package um, that they've developed. Um, you know, as in Mercedes struggled in Bahrain, similar similar sort of scenario really, as in in the kind of perhaps more exposed corners then, should we say. Um, you know, they, they seem to struggle for a bit of stability and balance. Um, which, you know, like you said, ultimately did play a big role in what happened this weekend. Um, but yeah, I don't know in all honesty. It's a bit of a weird one. Um, so, mm-hmm. and you know, as in... I get what you're saying about the high rake, but as in the majority of the cars, to be honest with you, the only car from the past or the only cars, I should say, from the past season that didn't run the high rake were Mercedes and Aston Martin formerly racing points. So, you know, oh. there are lots of other cars running the high rake um, who didn't seem to be as affected as the Red Bulls were. So, don't know what that's all about. What's the position with Alpine, obviously formerly known as Renault? I know we're going to talk about them in a bit, but they mm-hmm. did have a unusually good weekend in terms of both drivers finishing in the top 10 yeah are they are they a, a team which generally operates with a lower rake or do you not know like i don't truthfully I, know i think they might be one of the to middle to be grounds. honest with you from from what i understand the only teams that didn't really run the high rake were uh, sorry last season were racing point and mercedes which is why Fair. going into this season the well mercedes have been fairly quiet about it to be honest but that's why Racing Point now Aston Martin were kind of kicking off about it because basically the them and Mercedes were the only cars that were massively affected. Um, I mean, we'll come on to Alpine a bit later, but you know, I think there are perhaps other reasons why their pace picked up. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, but like like I said, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to Alpine, I guess. Fair yeah, enough, I don't know. Enough. In all honesty, bit of a weird one. Perhaps there'll be some sort of, uh, you know visual explanation in Spain. There'll be something that'll be like, ah, that's why it was. Or someone will yeah. be able to explain it. We'll because the first it. two races sort of followed a similar theme, even with, mm. you know, difficult, you know, things happening like, you know, Gassi's front wing falling off or, I don't know, different things happening throughout the races. Generally, certain cars were performing better, regardless yeah. of their starting finish position, you noticed that certain cars were doing better than others, and it was just, yeah, this, this seemed regardless to be a bit of, of a, all the other things going almost on. Almost like a mini shaking up of the order this weekend. Yeah. It, it, yeah, and in a, in a way, it particularly for the front guys, it was a weekend where you were like, ah, oh, Red Bull Red Bull looked similar to last year in the sense they were like, they didn't really have an answer for anything. Mm. They they weren't toe-to-toe this weekend. But uh, maybe that I was mean, the wind. Maybe those other factors. Yeah, I mean, something clearly affected Red Bull more than it affected um, the Mercedes. I, I do think that ultimately, that, you know, as in like when you look at qualifying, I'm just trying to think now, I'm not stepping on any of the points here, am I? Um, oh, no, there we go. You know, we're talking about, I was just about to talk about qualifying. Um, if this is going to be a nice segue now, if Verstappen hadn't exceeded track limits by a very small margin, he would have probably been quickest anyway. Well, he was, yeah, he he set the quickest time in yes. Q three, and he did that whilst 
making a mistake which caused him to go wide. He yes. would have gone quicker had he not made the mistake and gone wide, which yeah. is crazy because it was like that that could have meant almost half a second quicker than Bottas. Mm. And it ended yeah, up yeah. that he actually finished half a second behind. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was just one lap wonder in a sense where he really nailed it once well, and I couldn't mean, do it again. But Clearly the Red Bull is very fast, but obviously mm-hmm. it's it's unstable. So I think it's probably one of those things where... You know, I think that's what the Mercedes was so good at last year, was that it was not only was it like ridiculously fast, but it was just like, like crazy consistent, mm-hmm. um, which meant that like you had Hamilton and Bottas just hammering lap after lap after lap, you know, like banging in faster times. Whereas they seem to have lost a little bit of that this season, and it's what Red Bull seemed to struggle with um, this weekend was the kind of stability. Um, mm-hmm. But then, who knows? You know, this time last season, if Verstappen had done that time, would it have been deleted for track limits? Um, I imagine not. so. I reckon. I, Do you think? I feel like on qualifying, they it was marginal. They've always had it was marginal, but for qualifying, they've always seemed quite strict on it in a sense. Mm. Uh, the races is where the issues lied, especially with uh, Bahrain. But for qualifying, yeah, I do true. feel that's like true. it's... It's slightly different, isn't it's it? It's a little more clear-cut. Everyone goes, oh, okay, there's things you can and things you can't. If we don't ha- You can't have a grey area on qualifying because then it... Anarchy. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> but, no, that's uh, fair enough. But speaking of track limits, as you were saying, good segue. Um, do, do you... What did you make of them this weekend? Do you think they were overtly harsh? Do you think they were enforced enough? Um, I mean, I don't think we had as many of them this weekend as we did um, the previous couple of weekends. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is just due to the fact that the fastest line for Portimao doesn't lend itself to running wide, perhaps as no, much absolutely. as in the lower bar. Well, there's a lot more, not hairpin turns, but sharp turns where you can't really carry the momentum. It's well, the momentum yeah, which causes yeah. it, isn't it? And, and, you know, like you think of Bahrain is that one turn that... Um, Hamilton and and well yeah. initially it Hamilton was a sweeping was wasn't it yeah so you kind of you're gaining by running wide because you can carry more speed through the corner similar to Imola you know where Lando Norris got pinged in qualifying as in if you run wide and carry the speed ultimately you are gaining how much is questionable mm-hmm. um, but, you know because of the the design of Portimao it doesn't really lend itself to that too much um, I mean look they they seem to have um, perhaps learned from their I wouldn't say error in Bahrain because I don't think they did it on purpose, but I think they've they've clarified um, exactly what they're expecting from the drivers. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I I don't think it was too much of an issue this weekend, to be honest. I think the only really there were there were three occasions where I clocked it. I think the first was obviously Verstappen and qualifying. Mm-hmm. The second was Yuki Tsunoda got a couple of warnings. He did. And he got there early as well. Really yes. early. I like that they weren't like. Okay, you can sort of like fifteen laps to get used to it, mm. and then we'll, st- you know, what I mean? because usually, you know what I mean. You'll find they go okay after a while, like they were doing pretty much in Bahrain, where they said, mm. okay, everyone's doing it after a bit. We, you can't just keep doing it, but they were like, no, letter of the law is you can't exceed these track limits. You've exceeded yeah. them three times in the first five laps. You in the same corner, you're going to get a penalty. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it's one of those things, isn't it? As in, you know, the driver could turn around and go, oh, well, you know. I didn't mean to, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I guess the FIA would turn around and go, well, yeah, well, then you just need to go through the corner slower. If you mm-hmm. can't stick to the limits of the of the circuit, you can't go around that corner as quickly as you as you would like to, as in that's which, part of the... Which is one of the things I like about some of the modern circuits. Not, not uh, that I like them 
you know, and they should only make these sort of tilka circuits because of these things. But particularly think about Russia, and it's like, if you go beyond the track limit to turn one, or it actually might be turn two because there's that kink in that straight, which might mm. actually officially be classed as turn one. But anyway, when you get to that first proper turn, uh, mm. if you overcook it, you go around a, a, a different barrier. So it's like, okay, you don't, you know what I mean? You can't possibly maintain... Mm your position through it but uh you, you know what i mean it, it also doesn't penalize you by time it's like oh, you know what i mean five seconds yeah. five seconds is a lot it's a big penalty to give somebody for a one mm. thing which well even if it's over three laps you're not going to gain five seconds doing any no, sort of no. uh, unless you're properly cutting something yeah, yeah, going yeah. going in monza not even doing turn one going yeah just bombing on <laughs> on past mm. everybody no thanks uh unless you're doing something like that i don't think you're really going to lose out um also be in a good position from the end of a track limit excursion mm. um yeah i did have another point to say about that but i can't particularly remember what it was so should we move on <laughs> yeah yeah sure yeah yeah um what did you make of the drs section this weekend i mean i I do feel like the DRS is, I'm not going to say what won Lewis Hamilton the race, but certainly helped him on course to winning the race. Do, do you think um, the DRS was too long? Or do you think it was just right? No, I think it was just right. And my reasoning for that is that the only other real place you can overtake is probably that uh, the hairpin where um, mm-hmm. Verstappen yeah. got bottom. It's like I think two it, or three lines, aren't there? Yeah, there were there were a couple of um, overtakes in that area. To be honest, um, I mean, I kind of understand what you're saying with um, Hamilton. Was it too overpowered? Um, I mean, there's a part of me that thinks, well, ultimately, firstly, he's got to get within DRS mm-hmm. anyway, um, which he did. Um, you know, and I think ultimately, you know, Hamilton got past. Um, Verstappen and Bottas, you know, if if D, if it was purely based on DRS, then they're probably going to overtake Hamilton later on in the race anyway, aren't they? Based purely on DRS, if 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 the cause was DRS, mm-hmm. um, and I think the telling thing for me was, as soon as Hamilton got out in front, he created like a three-second gap. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, so, by, by no means am I saying Hamilton won that race purely on DRS because, mm. as you were saying, once he got ahead, he made more than one second. But mm. in a sense, for the laps where he was behind Verstappen and behind Bottas, mm. he, he was competing with them a little bit into that first turn using the DRS. But it, he, he could have just been saving up his battery for his ERS and going, well, I can stay here consistently and then once I'm ahead, you know, I've got all that ERS to use to get away. Mm. Um, so, so, so he, you know, he may have been purposely staying behind for a period just to recharge his batteries, knowing Maybe. he's got that buffer. But, uh, I, yeah, it just, in general, it just seemed like, uh, almost like um, last week, not last week, uh, two weeks ago in Imola, where that straight... It was almost overpowered. It wasn't exactly because it almost that that was almost the perfect amount where it was like you go mm. pretty much head to head if you're uh, in a good position. Um, but yeah, just wondered what you thought of it because it, I mean it was a particularly wide track as well, so it wasn't even it wasn't like there were just two lines in a sense. Anybody who wanted to overtake and mm. could in that I mean, DRS I, section. Had plenty I'll be of space. honest with you. In general, I I don't. I feel like this might be a slightly controversial comment here, but I don't like DRS in general. Um, no, I don't. I, yeah, 
I think it's quite a manufactured way to... Yeah, it's artificial. It's an artificial gain, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's artificial. And I think it papers over the current... Well, and previous car's ability to run in the warm air for, for you know, longer periods of time. Um, but I think DRS is particularly um, overpowered in this... Um, current state of Formula One car just because they're so big mm-hmm. um, and they generate so much downforces and the amount of dirty air that you, you're driving if you're behind another car you know if you're driving in that dirty air it's, it's like crazy so I mean I get why they have it but as in I'm not a massive fan of DRS in, in general to be honest well, I've, I've never really thought about am I for or against DRS as a Thing. Concept. Uh, yeah, concept. Um, I did, though, the other day think, why leave DRS just for the straight? Why not allow teams, if you're, well, drivers, if you're within a second of the car ahead, that is, to use the DRS as and when they choose? I mean, I mean, it's probably I, I understand safety. it's really overpowered. Yeah, that's, but also that's, that's what I was going to say. Maybe not safety wise, but you could really overcook it in a sense and mess it up if you do it wrong yeah. because i mean we've seen drivers in the past try to deploy it and then it won't undeploy in a sense and they're like i can't do anything now just sliding all over the place cause yeah or the wind flying around um mm. yeah just, w- would you <laughs> would you ever like to see um a competition where drs is just you know could be used as and when as long as you're within a second um i mean i feel like that could be carnage great I'll for overtakes <laughs> but also Encouraging crashes, I think. No, it'd be in- encouraging top speed. Improvise can you imagine, overcome. Can you imagine what would have happened between George Russell and Valtteri Bottas if they had both had DRS? <laughs> oh, the, well, actually, or oh, would, would that crash not have happened? Because if Bottas isn't allowed it because he wasn't within one second or someone, well, and, and Russell does, he's passed him quicker. Here's, here's the thing. that the The whole purpose of DRS is that and this is where I think DRS, like the the way it's set up, it does make sense, is that it's not there to be like a permanent boost to everyone. It's mm. almost like you have to get within a second and then you've earned DRS. I get you, yeah. And I guess the way they see DRS, it's almost like um, uh, an aid to overtaking, I suppose, rather than it being like a, you know, like a boost or whatever. It's meant to be like, because I think the argument it's is... It's to negate to the... Drag, isn't it, of cars? Yes, that you yes, and I, I think the the whole purpose of DRS is that it's meant to, when drivers do get within a second, not be like get within a second, and then because of the dirty air having to drop back, it means yeah, basically yeah, that yeah. they can go for the overtake. So I see why it's a thing, but I don't know. I just feel like it's a little bit uh, not gimmicky. That's not the right word, but I don't know. It's not organic in terms of. Uh, You're a purist, are you? Uh, maybe a little bit. Would you buy a wedding ring, which is uh, from a mine, or are you happy to use these new pressurised ones, the artificial ones they've just brought out in Pandora? <laughs> or do you not have an opinion on wedding rings? Um, ah, I, hot news I, I of the mean, day, I'm, I'm not engaged, so I don't have that opinion yet, I don't think. And fair, I fair. feel like that's a very tenuous link to uh, a sporting podcast. Um, Organic or artificial diamonds, Jack, that's what we're all about. <laughs> diamonds are forged under pressure. Ne- ne- next time around, I'll have a think about it. Um, oh, should, right, should we move to the actual race? Yeah, let's talk about Formula 1 again. We'll move on to the actual race, is it? Yes, yes, yes. Do you, what do you think of Portimao? In te- well, this isn't the actual race, but would you like to see Portimao next year? 
I don't know, to be honest with you. I'm a little bit torn. As as a race in itself, I don't find it the most entertaining. But mm. I've already said that. I'm not a big, well, I'm not a big fan of the narrow circuit. I'm not sure if the narrowness of the circuit really mm. played an impact. But but I do think if very much similar to football, if you're going to win the Premier League, you've got to go to those windy days at Stoke. Circuits like Portimao, where they're so exposed, is a challenge to not only the drivers, but to the teams to say, you've got to make a car that is the most complete. And if you don't put wind in as a factor, and Portimao is pretty much just an enormous wind tunnel, Mm. um, you know, if you haven't got a circuit like Portimao, I think it, you know, maybe it caters itself towards making a car specifically for certain scenarios. Um, I mean, my thinking is this. It's not my favourite. It is a full load in general now. Mm-hmm. But I would have it over other circuits that are currently on the calendar. Any in particular that you want to shout out? Canada. Okay. Um, France. Fair, fair. Um, what other ones? Monaco. Um, I think Monaco is a good circuit. I just think the current uh, set of regulations mean the cars are too big. Yeah. Well, actually, Monaco's the perfect suit to say you have to you have to do well in qualifying. It's not all about race pace. Yeah, You've got to do exactly. well in qualifying. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's another flavour to mm. this amalgamation of flavours which make up the Formula One World Championship. Yeah, and, and look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that those other ones are bad circuits. It's just my preference. They're not I as guess. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> particularly France, just because. I've always thought Canada's the worst, if I'm honest. I like um, France because I feel like you've got to be a little bit on the limit in terms of the really I mean, fast bends. I think the, the thing I don't like with France is that it's almost too open. It's almost like yeah, the... I know what you mean. Because it's, it's, a, it's so open. It's like it's an like, A-field, isn't it? Yeah. Without, without wanting to sound like childish and like, ooh, we like to see crashes, but there's almost no risk. Yeah. Because it's like so open. Like, yeah. Anyway, I feel like I'm going on a bit of a tangent I mean, here. Hamilton can just do like mini circular laps because he can cut all the corners on that one with relative ease uh. <laughs> it's funny can anyone else taste salt in their mouth when they listen uh, to Jack on salt. that part it's not salt I'm not a, an anti-Hamilton guy but uh, well know, he's I, done that statement you are mate <laughs> I wouldn't be cutting corners as much as what I'd say you know uh, more of a purist more of a purist uh, <laughs> well, uh, we'll, anyway. we'll let the fans decide who's the better Formula 1 driver the 7 time world champion or Jack Freeman well, all I'm saying is I'd never cut corners, you know. I'd never cut corners on my route to the top. Maybe that's why I'm not up there now, you know. That is an absolute load of nonsense. Anyway, anyway. speaking of Hamilton, was his best? Was this his best performance of the season so far? Do you think? Um, no, I think Bahrain would. Yeah, I was going to say Bahrain as well. Because that, that stint in Bahrain was just like unreal. Um, I mean, look. It, when uh, Hamilton got overtaken by Verstappen, um, you know, on the restart, because, you know, the safety mm-hmm. car went in, Bottas bunched him up. Bottas was quite smart, actually. Um, yeah, he, he almost faked that he was not going to do it early and he was going to take it all the way to the line. And then sort of halfway between the line and the bend, yeah. he went, yeah, now I'm going to go. It's like, whoa, whoa. Well, <laughs> and, and they pointed out on the, the coverage as well, as in, like, they waited until Hamilton was, like, mid mid-weave. Because, you know, like, oh, they right. weave to warm up their tyres. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, Hamilton wasn't pointing straight when Bottas went. So then Bottas had to... Uh, Hamilton then had to get himself straight and then go, which is why uh, Verstappen managed to get the jump on him and Bottas mm-hmm. managed to kind of drive off a little bit. Fair, fair, fair. Speaking of Bottas, but, do you think having him at the front helped? What, Hamilton? Yeah. No, I don't think really? so. 
No, I uh, think well, I, I think that actually, that restart alone shows that you know Bottas was not doing Hamilton any favors really mm-hmm. at all. As in Bottas, wow. you know, as you in Bottas, that. Bottas could have quite easily. Bear in mind, he's the one who sets the pace. As in on paper. Yeah. He's got the advantage when the, the the race restarts, and that's how it's meant to be because he's the leader. But by doing what he did, he very much put Hamilton in Verstappen's crosses, effectively. I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. But but at the same time, having him at the front allowed that when Verstappen was out of DRS, meant that he mm. couldn't catch up because. Uh, Hamilton did have DRS from Bottas being at the front. He was able to sit in behind him. Or do you think that is just arbitrary and anyone could have been at the front, in a sense, uh, to help rather than I, just specifically be Bottas? I, I don't think it matters that it was Bottas, to be honest with you. Fair um, enough. And again, I think it's one of those things where, you know, you say Hamilton had the DRS on Bottas, but... Firstly, when Hamilton overtook Bottas, he went three seconds faster than him. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, you could argue that the fact that um, Verstappen was within DRS and then dropped out would indicate that Mercedes and therefore Hamilton had the pace advantage regardless. Um, Fair enough. Because the, the argument would be that once you're in DRS... Ultimately, you should either stay within the same range of the car in front, assuming that they've also got DRS, or catch up to them. But if you drop yeah. in out of DRS, that would indicate that you've not quite got the pace. Well, that is kind of what happened to Verstappen this race, in a sense. He didn't have a good lap three or four. Uh, no. Those are the ones where he got overtaken by Hamilton um, mm-hmm. on the DRS. And that one was like, I think he messed up literally the penultimate turn. Or, or yeah, he had, a, he had a bit of a hairy no moment, wobble. didn't he? And then that meant that, well, Hamilton was already in his DRS. But it was just um, enough. Yeah. But it meant that Verstappen was no longer in Bottas's DRS. So it meant he just got absolutely Well, it was floored. double whammy, wasn't it? It, yeah. it? it kind of edged him closer towards Hamilton and out of yeah. DRS of Bottas. It was like a... And, yeah. and then pretty much, I, I don't think it was at the same turn, I think it was a little bit earlier on in the track, but the same thing happened on the lap after, which meant that then he was no longer in DRS of Hamilton either, and Hamilton had actually caught up to Bottas. Mm. Um, so then it meant that kind of the two mercs just kind of went away from him in a sense, uh, happily, as uh, Verstappen was sort of just left lingering about two, three seconds behind. Um, yeah. So yeah, I see what you mean. It is sort of in a sense... Uh, well, I can't remember what you said actually before. <laughs> it led on to it quite nicely anyway. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> said how point. the yeah. fact that Bottas was in DRS and then dropped yeah. out mm. would indicate that he didn't quite have the pace. No, no, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, um, perhaps Verstappen didn't either, which is why he. Uh, well, I mean, off. clearly, Red. And I think this is going back to what we were saying at the start with the stability, is, and I think it's not necessarily that the Red Bull was slower than the Mercedes, but because it was more unstable, it meant that. You know, uh, Verstappen was kind of having to wrestle the car at points mm. where the Merc was just kind of comfortable, um, and, it, you, and it lost Verstappen time. I think. Do you think that was the defining factor of this weekend's result? In a sense, do you think it was primarily f- because of the wind is the um, reason Mercedes won, or do you think they've made a certain amount of gains which uh, I, put them over the edge this weekend? I mean, I think, I think it's probably a bit of both. To be honest with you, I think 
what I would say is that because of the wind, you didn't see Red Bull's true pace. But when you compare, you know, as in, I remember when we were talking after the uh, Bahrain, there was a, a feeling of Mercedes have kind of managed to win despite having the slower car. Um, and, you know, it, it was it was almost deemed like a, a masterclass from Hamilton to somehow keep Verstappen behind. Um, I think what you've seen in this race, you've probably seen the Red Bull has been perhaps hindered slightly, but that, you know, the Merc is clearly, you know, in a similar sort of realm to the Red Bull, I think now. They seem to have caught up these past... Uh, Past couple of weeks, I think, in all honesty. That's fair so, enough, um, yeah. and I guess this is what I was kind of saying towards the start, as in, I think the kick in the teeth for Red Bull is that they should have won a Bahrain. It's as simple as that. Yeah. They had the best car. Verstappen was taking chunks out of Hamilton at the end. It was only because Hamilton defended brilliantly, I think that, and and they managed to pull off a good strategy um, that, that Mercedes got the win, and and that's why I think. I know, obviously, it's only the first race of the season, but that that race could be that that's mega. I think really is in it. It's mm-hmm. you know because I think there was the potential that if Red Bull had won that one, you'd probably be like, oh, they could win the first couple. Really, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, well, especially when I mean we spoke about the strategies, uh, and you mentioned it again then uh, mm. that happened on you know I mean Mercedes nailed it in Bahrain and yeah, Red yeah. Bull weren't adaptable. You see it this weekend. They were they. I mean, it was quite noticeable that Mercedes were a lot quicker than um, the Red Bulls on the mediums. Mm. And, I mean, I don't know how much life they still had in their mediums. Um, but when Verstappen pitted, instantly they went, we're going to pit Bottas, next lap we're pitting Hamilton. And it was just yeah. like, it did not matter what strategy uh, that Mercedes were thinking of employing. They knew they had the upper hand in terms of car performance on the weekend. Yeah. And they said... Don't make this um, a strategy battle. Yeah, we've got to match them. We can beat them on that, uh, on every other aspect. So just match them and beat yeah. them. And yeah. I th- that, that is where being a... what Do they won the last eight? or It's not the last ten World Championships, is it, that Mercedes have won, is it? It's the last eight, oh, I can't it? remember. It's so many. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's been that many in a row. And it's not because, in a sense, they are super geniuses of different things. They think, in that scenario, if we got the best car, we just match them. Mm. You, you know what I mean take away every little thing that they can do differently to sort of try and win this race yeah and they did it to perfection this weekend covered yeah. him off couldn't do anything about it no and it was interesting as well because this was the first time that we'd had both of the Red Bulls and both of the Mercedes all kind of yes. in contention yeah um you know, and I guess for Red Bull, it did mean, you know, th- there was a kind of variation that they were able to kind of split the strategy, weren't they? As in, Perez mm-hmm. went like meg. I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit here, I know, but Perez went... Well, we could uh, talk about Bottas and Perez now, anyway. Yeah, I guess a, we could talk about them. As, as, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, just briefly saying about Perez, as in, he managed to do like a mega stint on the on the mediums. Oh, um, insane. I mean, they, the Perez yeah. said before the race, uh, and they're usually pretty bang on. I mean, uh, I remember back in Silverstone, they said, a, I can't remember what, how many uh, laps they said uh, the tyres could do. And the second that those tyres went too many laps, those are the ones which exploded. Um, and this weekend, they said mediums can do 45. And Perez was on them for 54. <laughs> he is a master <laughs> at mm. maintaining tyre life. Uh, very impressive by him this weekend. 
Mm. In terms of, I mean, that was a great bullet to have in the chamber for Red Bull because yeah. it did allow them. Well, in it's a sense, a they, they could just leave them. Yeah, they could leave them out there, and it said it's highly unlikely that you don't get a safety car on a weekend. I know we got one, and that was lap one, so it didn't really matter that much. But it's highly unlikely that you don't get a single safety car for the mm. whole of the rest of the race. So if one had come out, Perez mm. would have been in prime condition to go onto a set of softs. Yeah, and be definitely. The of that race. So get a win. It, yeah, that, that's. That's the, if you're going to ask for a driver who can't literally compete toe-to-toe with those guys, mm. but can do something like maintain tyre life for that long, it's like, well, that's yeah. a, it's a well, great look, in, little thing pa- to have. Perez, Perez for Red Bull this weekend is exactly what they want a number... Mm. I was about to say number two driver. I feel like that's unfair. A, a second driver or their mm. other driver to do, yeah. just to be... A, you P- know, Picking up the points, but also be in a chamber for Verstappen yeah, to yeah. try and use um, his quest and ultimately just segue into Bottas that's kind of what he did this weekend as well as in mm. I do you know what? I was really happy for Bottas this weekend yeah really as much as I I always sort of pick on him in a sense because he's that much slower than Verstappen and Hamilton mm. he did very much go you know what I am a half decent capable driver well and like at the start of the race and look I know I know um Verstappen clearly had issues in the race but as in you know, it's not like Hamilton and Verstappen just drove off. As in, Bottas was there or thereabouts for pretty much oh, yeah. the whole race, really. Until Absolutely. like you the know, only they... reason he lost, well, he lost first because Hamilton was quicker. There's mm. no shame in no. even Bottas admitting that he's a seven-time no. world champion. Um, mm. But the only reason he lost out to Verstappen was the undercut. Yeah, the, you know, Verstappen goes on to those set uh, new yeah, set and of he, hards. He, he just didn't and, quite manage yeah. to get them up to um, up to temperature in time, did he? Exactly. Yeah, and um, that was what so, happened. Yeah, and I think, um, I'll be honest, I was a little bit gutted for Bottas that he, I don't think he necessarily needed to win the race, but just to get second, just just mm-hmm. for his confidence a little bit, because like you said, there's no shame in losing to Lewis. I mean, there's no shame in losing to Verstappen. No. Um, but I think when the Mercedes was perhaps the more dominant car over the weekend, there's an argument that you could go, he should have yeah, he should have finished, finished second. second, maybe. But, you know, un- unfortunate with the, uh, and it's worth noting as well that, um, there was like a 0.8 second difference between Hamilton's pit stop and Bottas's pit stop. Was there? I didn't. Know yeah. So, there. so you could probably, you know, if that was if they were about the same, you could argue that Bottas could have had his wobbly moment, still been ahead, and they would have been at very different areas of the circuit. Because I think that's probably one of the prime areas to overtake where Verstappen overtook Bottas, apart yeah. from the big. That's well, the second DRS. Yeah. Yeah. Any, exactly. Yeah. So I think it was one of those, it was a little bit unfortunate how it, as always for Bottas, but it was a bit unfortunate how it fell for him, to be honest. Um, I mean, look, he still got fastest lap. No, uh, well, that's the thing, he didn't. No, well, he did, because <laughs> he did because Verstappen's lap was deleted. Was it actually? It was, I didn't yeah. know that. I did yeah, not so know Bottas that. got fastest lap. Because when, I mean, I've always been... Uh, I, I strategy, I think, is one of the most fun things about Formula One. Let me double check I, that. You carry on talking, but yeah, I am going to double check. Which that. is why one of the things I like about Formula One is since I was talking about the variables before was the fact that mm. you know you got to adapt all the time. But particularly for strategy for the sort of end of the race, Bottas has got close to thirty seconds on Perez, so mm. there's no risk when he pits uh, that he's going to be overtaken. You know what I mean, or anything like that, because he's going to go into fresher tires and he should have about a five six second gap on him. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why they pitted him two laps before the end whilst mm. if you did it 
well, sorry, three laps for the end. If you do it two laps for the end, Verstappen can't physically pit and set a fastest lap because his final mm. lap will be the lap where he's coming out of the yeah, pit. Yeah, so yeah. He's got no hope. But because they did it three laps before, it meant that the next lap was the lap that Verstappen could go out and, you know what I mean, pit and come out. So even though Bottas gets two shots at it and Verstappen only gets one, mm. uh, and the reason I'm saying about Verstappen pitting, obviously, for those who win away is that it because Pot- Bottas pits, it then allows Verstappen to pit because he's not going to lose second yeah. either. You know, it's a chain reaction. In theory, Hamilton could have pitted as well, but there wasn't enough laps want to risk left. It as well. Yeah, exactly. So, but Mercedes would have been far more savvy strategically to go. We're going to pit with two laps to go, so it doesn't even give Verstappen a hope mm. because then it's an extra point. You know what I mean? You, you consider that the only reason Hamilton was ahead of Verstappen going into the weekend was the fact that he had a fastest lap over him. Mm. It's like. Those are the fine margins which can decide the drivers' championship yeah, yeah. this season. And um, yeah, Bottas did get faster slap. He did by get. The way. Oh, okay, so that is interesting. But mm. still, the, the, at the same at the time, same yeah. point. Yeah, it's like why would you? You know, it was too it was big a of a risk. Risky. I think. Yeah, luckily that he uh, had his time expunged in a sense because yeah. otherwise yeah, 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 that could have been in a sense like in a sense if. Let's get this right now. If uh, Verstappen wins the next race and Hamilton comes second. Hamilton has to get the fastest lap to maintain the lead, otherwise they're tying. It's like mm. it's it's going to come down to such fine margins. It's fine margins, this yeah. It's fine yeah. margins. Although there is a part of me that likes the fact that in first Hamilton isn't thinking, "Oh, I'll pit for the fastest lap." I think he was hungry last year, where Hamilton like could pit and he was still like mm-hmm. five seconds ahead of the next. Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. Give me strength. He, but, but he did say it to Bono. I did like that. He did go. Well, he said Bottas is pitted. So is Verstappen fastest lap. Anyway, should I? It's like we're not a lapse, mate. <laughs> it was like ah. Yeah. I like that it was still on the mind. He, he he wasn't completely out of the conversation of it. But no. yeah, I know what you mean. He couldn't he couldn't just do it on his own and still be. Yeah, he, he couldn't just go right. Let's do it. There's no reason not to. Whereas this, yeah. you know, it was close enough that he uh, couldn't uh, couldn't do it. I think. Um, Fair, 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 fair. You know, Should I, we move I think. On? Oh, go on. Just one thing I was going to say. I think that's good for Bottas. I know I've kind of said it already, but I think yep. that'll be a good confidence booster for him. And I think you know, ultimately, there's no shame in finishing behind Verstappen and uh, Lewis Hamilton. I don't think. Good, no. a mark, mark, a positive mark on his uh, card for potentially his seat next season. I think. Although it's not going to matter because next race he's going to get lapped by uh, George Russell. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Very good. But speaking of the drivers further down the track, or grid rather, uh, McLaren, they they had a very uh, black and white uh, weekend in a sense. Danny Rick seemed to have an absolutely atrocious qualifying. Didn't get out of Q1. Interestingly, the last time a uh, McLaren driver didn't make it out of Q1 was Carlos Sainz, and he made yeah. it onto the podium um, when he did that. No uh, no such luck this time, though. <laughs> no such luck. No. He he did get pretty close to the podium. He got as high as fifth, and then he dropped back to ninth after pitting. Um, but, you know what I mean, it was awful to start 16th. Damage uh, limitation. T- yeah, particularly when you're a driver who's been brought in. I mean, mm. arguably, at the beginning of the season to be the number one driver and he's very much performing like a number two driver at the moment. Mm, yeah. um, Nor- Norris Norris looks as consistent and in form and deadly as he's ever looked. Fin- uh, qualifying seventh. Still not great at the qualifying it seems but finishing fifth which is mm. when it matters. Um, 
an interesting one. Like in a sense, that's, he is finishing the top five. He's the only, apart from Verstappen and Hamilton, the only driver to finish in the top five of every race mm. uh, so far. And to be fair, he, he finished behind the Mercs and the Red Bulls. What more can you ask for for any other driver? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You like, like the only way you're going to finish higher realistically is if one of them has a really bad day. Yeah, yeah, or that's true. retires or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he did as much as he could. Um, do you think McLaren are all nervous about Ricardo after this performance? Um, I don't think I don't think so. As in, we've had three races. Um, you know, and as we'll come on to now, as in, you know, he's had like it's, it takes a bit of time to settle in. Um, I think you know, I think if Norris hadn't been doing so well, we perhaps wouldn't be. Ricardo wouldn't be as under the microscope as he is. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good because, point. That's a good point. But because Norris has been outstanding, is in he's, he's well, he's as simple as he's been the best of the rest, and he as simple as that. Um, you know, so perhaps it's kind of putting a bit more of a magnifying glass on uh, on Danny Rick. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't say worried. I mean, look, there are things you'll need to work on, but you know, Daddy Ricardo doesn't become a a bad driver overnight. No, no, I, uh, yeah, that's that's a fair point. I mean, we, I mean, quite quickly you could segue over to the Ferrari because Science had a very similar but almost opposite at the same yes. time uh, yeah. weekend where he qualified fifth. Phenomenal. That's, I, I mean, that's a phenomenal <laughs> time. Uh, yeah, and again, really... the Ferraris. Uh, you know, I was saying that I thought they were going to get found out, but as in the kind of good exceeding colours. expectations mm-hmm. again, really. I and think. then Sainz goes on to finish 11th. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, gosh. <laughs> it's like, I I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a good Formula 1 driver, you've got good race pace. It's not about qualifying. Same mm-hmm. sort of thing happened. I mean, maybe it's the car, in a sense, but I don't think it is because Leclerc started 8th and finished 6th. So clearly mm. he's doing well on the race. Um, mm. Like, we did see um, George Russell this weekend have a phenomenal... I think he started 11th. You know, I think that's his joint highest mm. start uh, outside of starting for Mercedes. Um, mm. But, yeah, joint highest start. And then he, he just said he couldn't couldn't drive uh, behind other cars. It was just mm. turbulence was awful. And he ends up... Well, he's probably 18th or something. He was truly had a bad weekend for him. Mm. Um, but, yeah, do, do, do you think uh, the reason for Sainz and Ricardo doing bad, though, is... Well, so far... Uh, is because of just teething issues that are eventually going to find it out. Yeah, I think so. Is in look and look, Carlos Sainz is an excellent driver. Um, you know, I think you know there's perhaps slightly more reasoning for Sainz being further down the grid, given that Ferrari struggled so much last season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but and the thing is as well, like without wanting to make excuses for Daniel Ricciardo, well, I was about to say. Signs has kind of moved around a lot, but then Daniel Ricciardo has in the past couple of years. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I, it's a tricky one really because I think the longer it goes on, the more and more valid these questions become. But I think after three races, to be kind of questioning, you know, if they made a mistake, we're, we're doing a Gasly. We're doing what Red Bull did yeah. to Gasly. Yeah, we're exactly, exactly. But so. When you look at some of the other new drivers, Alonso in the Alpine, Perez in the Red Bull, they've sorted it out. Those teething issues are gone. Alonso had a phenomenal mm. race this weekend where he, he started or oh, started outside the top 10 and he finished in... Oh. Eighth, wasn't it? Yeah, I did put it lower down in our notes. Uh, Alonso qualified 13th, finished 8th. Yeah, exactly, as you were saying, 8th. Um, 
so you know some of those other drivers have sort of sorted that out maybe maybe there's a little bit of they aren't performing too well those two um yeah i, I mean know, i know i'm, I'm flogging a dead horse now because i've asked you the same question three times but uh yeah yeah we'll see that's yeah, that, we'll that's see. my answer yeah <laughs> that's fair enough that's fair enough um Moving on, though, from Ferrari and McLaren. Well, actually, not moving on, because uh, I actually put a question straight after. Uh, what, what team do you think is going to finish... Oh, sorry. Out of uh, Leclerc and Norris, who do you think is going to finish ahead at the end of the season? Because Norris had a particularly good start to last season. He finished top seven in six of the first nine races, but then only finished in the top seven for two of the last eight races. Whilst Leclerc... Finished in the top seven three times in the first nine races, but finished in the top seven five at the last eight. That's a great performance, the second half of the season. Do you think it's, if you were to make an early call now, who, who are you putting your money on? Norris. Really? If you, to be fair, he has I, looked phenomenal. And I think I, I just think the McLaren's a better car than, than the Ferrari right now. Um, yeah. I, and I think Leclerc is getting more out of the Ferrari than he probably should do to be honest with you do you not think Ferrari might make do you not think well do you think it was Norris's driver performance which has let him down in the second half of last year or do you think it was the fact that other cars over, well started to perform better because if that is the case who's to say the Ferrari doesn't find those gains which McLaren have and Leclerc starts to beat him for I a I mean few. it is worth noting as well that we did have some unusual circuits last season um, okay. So, as in that could have influenced, I don't know, perhaps their circuits that they're not used to or something like that. Who knows? Um, it's, it's a tricky one, as in, there's a lot of variables. A lot can happen between now and the end of the season. The cars can change, the drivers can have peaks and troughs in form. Based on what we've seen so far, mm-hmm. I would, as in, Norris seems to be in the zone right now as in he yeah. seems to very much be like let's not forget in Imola if he hadn't run wide by about two millimetres he would have been second mm. um, and and in, in fairness to Norris some of those good performances he had at the beginning of last year were like freak ones like you particularly think Austria it yeah, was just he like came, he went yeah. from something like sixth to sec, uh, to in third in one lap it was like you know that's not going to happen again so no yeah, those are freak ones, but he does look more measured, calm, and just in control. And I, I still it. think that in Imola, if they'd gone on to the medium rather than the soft, mm. I think they could have been looking at possibly a, a race win, in all honesty. I think McLaren tried to be a bit too smart there, I think. I'm sure you mean a literal race win. You just mean ahead of Hamilton? No, no, I mean... I mean a. Uh, yeah, sorry. Got overhead of a stand. Sorry, yeah, I f- no, yeah, no, no. That, that was that was I was thinking. Gosh, sorry, yeah, in, I for, I, sorry, I, I forgot that. Just, uh, I thought Norris was never drove, first. Yeah. Verstappen no, was that he, far ahead. Yeah, he, he would have got second. Sorry, yeah, yeah no, no. <laughs> I was thinking, gosh, that is a claim that the soft yes. tire was that far off the pace of Verstappen. Yeah, it's in the medium uh, tire, you would have cut uh, Verstappen <laughs> down by like twenty seconds or whatever it was. Yeah, easily, easily. Yeah, easily. No, no, second, second. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. We, we did speak about Alpine earlier um, in mm. terms of having a phenomenal race just out of nowhere, very out of form in a sense, the fact that they were so good. Well, what do you think it was? They, they, they said that they've made improvements to the car. Yeah, but everyone so, says that. How much could you yeah, read into it? But I, I, I think, well, and this is what I was going to say, is, and I think there's a couple of things here. I think Ocon finally looks comfortable. 
in a mm. Formula One car after having another year out and then being back for a year. This is the first time he looks like he did when he left. Um, Alonso said after the race, you know, like it was the first, towards the end of the race, he started to feel a lot more comfortable with the car. Um, so, you know, I think you're probably getting your driver's kind of hitting form and the car itself appears to have improved. So for me, I think they've kind of, you know, the first race you were looking at and you're going, they're looking to basically beat Alpha Tauri, Alpha Romeo and Haas and Williams. Um, whereas now I would very much have them, I'd have them above Aston Martin because Aston Martin are having a real rough time at the moment. Oh, um, yeah. Talk about all hype and... Funny no that uh, funny that buying another team's car doesn't work as a long term solution, isn't it? Well, yeah, that, that's, um, that's the reason Mercedes aren't complaining about these new mm, changes and Aston Martin now. It's because Mercedes can adapt; they can make a new, exactly. They, yeah. you know, they can change how they perform, but they haven't got any skills. It doesn't seem like in, no uh, Aston Martin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was just a combination of uh, it was the perfect storm in a positive way. If that makes sense. That does. <laughs> uh, you did just mention Alpha Tauri. I mean, this is about as disappointing a weekend as they can get in terms of... Like, when you look at them last season, this is what they were like, in a sense, where they really just weren't an exciting team. They mm. Nothing came together. Sonoda, what, started in the bottom half. I think, I think he started 16th, finished mm. 14th, or something around those areas. Gasly started 9th, finished 10th. It was like, gosh, talk about mech. You know what I mean? Ne- mm. Like, you, you see some of the awesomeness at the front in terms of Alpine I mean Ocon had a good start and he managed to compete with those guys for a while Alonso came from 13th past mm. both uh, Alpha Tauri's to get well one of them at least to get to the front it was like oh some exciting stuff from them but Alpha Tauri are just going backwards at the moment do you do you think they've lost some of the momentum they came into the season with do you, yeah or do you th- or do I you think, think so. uh, they, they can rectify this though do you think it's just like well, a one one week blip I mean, I think they've got good enough drivers too. I think when you look at the the, the um, teams towards the back of the grid, I think they've probably got the best driver partnership. Fair. Um, I think, to be honest with you, since they won the Italian Grand Prix last year, they, it was almost like they'd been riding on a bit of a wave of positivity. Um, and in all honesty, I think the start of the season has been kind of back down to earth with a bump a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, if you average the first three races. Um, but, you know, I guess that's part of the parcel of being the Red Bull sister team, isn't it? As in, you know, you're not necessarily going to be competing with top dog all the time. you just got to kind of take your take your wins where you can and get points where you can. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. Perhaps a little bit disappointing. Um, Sp- speaking of them being Red Bull sister team, just a side point I'm putting the notes mm. here, but... Do you think, is there uh, some sort of advantage to that in a sense? You know, like you couldn't test in the wind tunnel Mm -hmm. uh, or or, or it's reduced uh, depending on where you finished last season. Mm. Do you think there's some sharing? Are they allowed to share information among sister teams? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I was going to say, one team could just be testing parts in one wind session and another team could be doing it in the other. No, I don't think they're not allowed to do that, I don't think. Um, That's fair enough. I, I think they're a sister team in as much as they're kind of both like under the Red Bull thing and they shared drivers and all that sort of stuff. Fair enough. But in, in terms I, of I wondered if cars, like Mercedes are a step down in the sense that they don't have that. I mean, maybe they're trying to forge it with Aston Martin, but uh, yeah. they don't have it directly. I no. wondered if... Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, in other news, 
Mazepin got a five-second penalty for an incident with Perez where it was blue flags and he decided to cut him up. But he's also got a penalty point on his licence. Um, he's turning into a bit of a thug on the circuit. Uh, do you think that the FIA needs to some sort of introduce a sort of, not selection committee, but some sort of cap on just allowing anybody and anybody to buy their way in? Because, I mean... By the logic that we're seeing so far with Mazepin somehow managing to get a seat despite being a rubbish driver, you could mm. have anyone. You know, you could have the Man City owners. They could go, oh, you know what? We'll buy a team and we'll drive ourselves. It's like, you know what I mean? There's got to be some sort of... I don't know how you implement something like that to I say, mean, no, you can't just have anybody. Ultimately, I think... And this is going back to... Um, what we said previously about Stroll and what, well, and what others have said about Stroll really is that he's only there for his money. If he mm. was there only for his money, he would have been found out by now. Um, yeah, and to be I, fair to Stroll, he's had a third <clears throat> place. Well, I think he's had two third place finishes. This is what I mean. Is in like Lance Stroll has very much proved that okay, the the money may have facilitated his seat and it may have meant that he got a seat perhaps earlier than he would have done. But Lance Stroll is very mature in that he deserves to be in Formula One, whereas Mazaspin right now, literally, is just a waste of space. Like, his his car may as well not even bother being on the grid. Quite frankly, yeah. Um, it, and, I mean, he was almost a minute own, behind. His, his only contribution to the race is that he cuts up the man in front when he's being yeah. lapped. Like, if that's the only contribution to your race, like I'm not being funny. Even like. Latifi and uh, Mick Schumacher were having a bit of a joust when they right to the back. Yeah. Well, like, well, they're sure. So, well, I think I mentioned it in a previous episode where I was talking about Mazepin, I think, is the only driver to get into Formula One without finishing in the top three, I think, for an entire season of F2. It was it was some wow. like mad stat like that That's where it was bad, just like, he's, he's not even remotely close to being good in F2, let alone mm. F1. So it, mm. it is, it may, does make a little bit of a mockery. But do you think they should have some sort of selection <clears> committee like that then? Or um, way of introducing something like that? <laughs> I don't know. It's a tricky one because ultimately Formula One is one of those sports that thrives on uh, large finances. Um, so, you know, and I guess the alternative is is that Haas get a driver who can't pay as much for his seat and then Haas struggle financially and then Haas disappear. And then we're down yeah. the team. So it's a tricky one. I mean, that's an extreme example, obviously. Yeah. Um, but you know, as in that, that that's a potential chain of events. Um, but then at the same time, maybe, if you have all of these guys come in, there's a little bit of an overdependency on finding these guys, and at some mm, point they'll run out. Uh, but what you've got to remember is as well is that there's financial incentives for finishing higher up the grid. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yes. And that, and I would, I would like to think. I don't know the ins and outs, but I would like to think that that finances, sorry, those finances would outweigh the finances that Mazepin can get Haas, right? <laughs> but I guess the point that Haas are at at the moment is that they knew this season was going to be a stinker. Yeah. They said that already. They knew that they were basically pausing development until next season. So I guess they were probably looking at it's. It's almost like a quick fix, a little bit, <laughs> as in get get the money in, invest it for next season, and then we go again. Have you seen that rumour, though, that Gene Haas is going to sell the team to Mazepin's dad? (sighs) I hope not. Uh, Well, um... he's... he's, I think he likes the sport, but I think he's quickly coming to realise how expensive it is. 
What, Haas? Like it's, it's, Dean Haas? Yeah. 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 It's, it's a tricky oh, one for him, not. isn't it? I hope not. <laughs> it's got to be tempting, though, isn't it? Just well, of course it is. cut your losses and go, well, let's just get out of this thing. Yeah. Um, I, I did see quite a funny meme where it was Hamilton and then it said Spain and he was looking at it and then it uh, took away the S and it said Pain and it had Leclerc and then it took away the A and, and it's Spin and it just had Mazepin. I thought that's class. <laughs> An un- underused meme, very much so. <laughs> oh, Should we do a little bit of a review for Barcelona? Preview, yeah, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Well, yeah, I don't know what I said, review, preview, uh, as you say. I mean, if you know uh, the future, tell me, I'd quite like to know who wins. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a stappen. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, but anyway, I mean, you, you've more so done the notes for this one, but I see you noticed that uh, it, it is a particularly hard circuit to overtake at. Pole mm. could be king, as you say. What do you think the factors for that are? Um, I think it's just the way the circuit flows a little bit, to be honest. As in, obviously, you've got the whacking great um, straight um, as per... Um, you know, through the chicane, I guess, is an opportunity potentially if you can line it up well. Um, turn three is an interesting one, particularly given that you know um, Mercedes struggled with stability um, in Bahrain. Um, Red Bull have struggled with this stability in Portugal. As in, that's one of those. It's a long sweeping yeah. turn. If so, there's a bit know, of wind, <laughs> you're yeah. spinning. Um, you're as spin. in, you know, time could be found or lost there. I guess. Um, but you know, like the the, the circuit, it, it kind of flows from one corner to the next, isn't it? So there's no kind of, you know, there are the odd takes. Like I think after you've got the second DRS zone, um, you know, you've got that like mini hairpin of new. You know, if you could outbreak yeah. somebody there, then I guess that's an overtaking opportunity. But then I guess that depends on how harshly they go into um, instigate uh, track limits, because you know. I guess the the temptation there would be to go up the inside and then run wide to kind of cut the overtake from the outside. But if you can't run wide, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, I think just the nature of the circuit, it kind of, it's, it's fast flowing, um, which means it's not uh, not exactly vintage for overtakes per se. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll have to see how it goes. And as I said on the notes, I think pole could be uh, could be pretty important at, uh, at Barcelona. Sorry, important at Barcelona. <laughs> um, yeah. Fair enough. Do Do you think the fact that pre season testings moved to Bahrain could make uh, this a little bit more interesting? I mean, I, I imagine teams get pretty well averse with the circuits because of practice mm. uh, testing. Do you think that, particularly for the guys like Sonoda and Mick Schumacher and Mazepin, do you think those guys are really going to struggle this weekend? Because, well, maybe not more struggle than they would have in the past, but. Uh, Perhaps the new guys might have had a bit more of an easy run in uh, had it been the pre season testing site. Well, I mean, there's the driver side and there's the car side, I think. I mean, ultimately, I know the cars haven't changed that much since last season. You know, it's still the same set of regulations, but as in, it's the, the knowledge is just not there from, you know, pre season mm-hmm. testing. As in, it's surprising, like tyre wear. Um, you know, like, for example, that turn three will. A car be more unstable than it has been in previous years, um, and you know if you've done pre-season testing, there you know that before you arrive. Whereas, you know, they I guess they're gonna have to find that out on the race weekend. I guess, um, but yeah, I don't know. And like you said, the fact that you've got you know you've got a couple of new drivers who haven't been there for pre-season, I guess that leaves them at a 
slight disadvantage, but then I guess you could argue that they would have been to Bahrain before the Bahrain Grand Prix. So I guess on that argument, I guess it swings and roundabouts. Um, Am I right in saying that Carlos Sainz tested their preseason because of his, you know, in the same way that Sonoda did in Imola? I, possibly. I got a feeling he may have actually practiced in Barcelona. So possibly, yeah. Perhaps he's well, he is Spanish, isn't he? Yeah, well, um, maybe you know it's uh, the, the classic as well. Is uh, Fernando Alonso in Spain? Is he going to get his W? That's what uh, I think a lot of Spanish fans want. But um, we'll see. I guess it's an interesting circuit, Barcelona. I think. Yeah, it it's got some really painful you, sectors. Well, and you've, you've got you've got a few sort of sections where if you don't get good drive out of one corner, you're then messed up for the next two or three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like in a sense, this weekend just gone in. Gosh, I've already forgotten the name of the circuit. Portimao. Uh, Portimao. The final straight, in a sense, starts a lot earlier than it mm. actually you know, on other circuits because you have that bend which almost uncoils like a snake shell or uh, not snake. Um, slug snail snail shell. You know, where it uncoils <laughs> those, the, those the ins- pesky yeah. slug shells. Snake shells. Gosh. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it uncoils from the middle in a sense as you go yes. around, and then it, you know, it, so in and a sense you, you you haven't got to just go from start and beat somebody, and it's all about traction because yeah, sense it's, yeah, yeah. it's almost spoon feeding you into it, and it's like well, you can slowly rectify, rectify, rectify mm. until eventually you found the right line as you go through. But mm. this this circuit's more. Right, got a sharp left, sharp right, and go, go, and it's like it that could really be the undoing of some people this weekend. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure, for sure. Um, looking at the result for this Grand Prix last year, obviously a lot has changed, but it was Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas, and then the two racing points now Aston Martins. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think we're going to see those? Uh, well, particularly Hamilton, Verstappen and Bottas, do you think it's just going to be them three at the front this weekend? Or do you think this could be a weekend where you see someone like Perez, who finished fifth last time out when he was in mm. the racing point? Do you think uh, this could be a good weekend for him? Uh, I don't know, really, to be honest. Isn't it? It's a tricky... I mean, I think the one thing we can say is that Hamilton and Verstappen so far appear to have been in a class of their own. Yep. Um, yeah, the, the next position is anyone's guess, as in... On paper, I suppose you'd probably have either Bottas or Perez, but you know, like Norris has been flying at some circuits, so. Um, yeah. And I guess what we'll see now is, you know, we were talking earlier, like have Mercedes caught up. If it's not quite as blustery, we'll see now. We'll get the ass test of, right, have Mercedes really caught up? Or uh, were Red Bull really that hindered by the uh, the wind? Isn't it funny how wind? Isn't it funny how like after all of the money and, and millions of pounds that are put into these cars, like they're affected by wind? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever thought wind that? is the great divider? Yeah, like I thought that, and then like, oh yeah, it's, it's just so much wind. I was like, hmm, funny that one of the core elements of living on Earth is affecting this car. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, yeah. that's why it pays to have a good chassis. Uh, that's true. That's right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to but make, yeah, sorry, I digress. Uh, yeah, as in, uh, I I don't know really who's going to finish after Hamilton and Verstappen, whichever order that may be. It's it's anyone's guess, really. If you were to make an absolutely wild prediction of something that is going to happen in this race, just I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah. Lando Norris would, on the podium. 
you think that last my my absolutely wild thing that could happen this race is going to be Verstappen is going to go into the sand uh, at turn one two three four after at the exit of turn four I think Verstappen's going to be in the sand okay. and I don't know if he's going to get back out of it that's my wild prediction for this wow. race that is indeed wild <laughs> specific as well so yeah that, that is really, like mine was just like somebody else is going to be on the podium yours is like they're going to go out and not only are they going to go out I'm going to tell you which corner they're going at yeah, turn four in the sand of all places yes I tell you what Gasly uh, not Gasly Norris the last time he was at this circuit finished 10th still feeling confident yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean to be fair they did have the Renault engine then Ah, oh, true True. And and Carlos finished. Uh, Carlos Sainz finished sixth. Yeah, he did. So, you know, who knows? We'll see. Anything can happen. Um, should we go on to our predictions, our Let's scoring point system? Do it. So going so, into this weekend, I'm glad you've worked this out because I have no idea how you're scoring this, but I'll just have to trust you. <laughs> well, yeah, I I got a hundred. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I started the Finally, week on 11. Jeff, you got minus 50,000. Oh, what's yeah. happening? <laughs> uh, going into the week, I had 11 points. Jack had 12. Uh, neither of us correctly predicted the winner because we both said Verstappen. Neither of us correctly predicted who was going to be on pole because you said Norris and I, I said, said Verstappen. Norris. I was trying to uh, be out there. didn't work. Yeah, very in vogue. Um, but uh, So none, none of us got any points for winner or pole, which is... Clearly shows that we're not very intelligent about what we're talking about. Why? Why are we doing a podcast like revolved around Formula One? Clearly, we know nothing. <laughs> um, but on the number of overtakes, that's that's the great divider for our our predictions uh, throughout the season. Um, and can I can I just say something? Go on. I I don't think you should get minus a point. Oh, I think you should if they go back. Really? That's uh, yeah, fair. I think you should. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, and maybe we cap it is if somebody crashes out, capped at minus 10. So if Hamilton <laughs> crashes out, he can't go any lower. Yeah, all right, like fair that. enough. Okay, that's our only other... Stipulation. Um, but you said Stroll this weekend for a number of overtakes. You've got three points for that because he did yeah. three overtakes. And I said Gasly. Um, and he went backwards by one, as you just mentioned. So at the end of this, you've now gone up to 15 points. You have, and I've gone backwards to 10. <laughs> so I need to get a winner or a pole position over you to just get level. Um, okay. Speaking of which, who have you gone for the winner of this weekend? I've gone for Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> really pushing the boat out. <laughs> now, despite my prediction of Verstappen's going to be beached in the sand at the end, exit of turn four... Um, I think it's going to be Verstappen to win this race. Um, wow, okay. I'm playing it safe, you know what I mean? You, you know what? We, you could save, we could save ourselves a lot of time if we basically just, like, cropped <laughs> this bit of audio from, like, the past couple of podcasts and then just plopped it in every week. Yeah. Because well, it's going to be right Verstappen now, it, this week. I mean, look, Verstappen we can't complain because <laughs> for so many years we've been saying, oh, we need someone to compete with Hamilton. We can't now complain that the only person competing is Verstappen. We should just be happy that there is somebody competing with him. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you've got Hamilton, I've got Verstappen. As beige, two answers as you can get. For mm. Paul, though, we are also different. The first time this season, I'm not saying Verstappen, I'm saying Bottas. Okay, I've said Verstappen for Paul. Okay, okay. And then for the number of overtakes, you've said Alonso this week, who I, I said, believe had the most overtakes this current well, week. He, well, he just turned it on in the second half of the race. Like, it was funny as well, because Martin Brundle said, oh, he's been... Uh, He's been quite quiet, and it was almost like that. I'd played in his ear, and he was like, right. 
<laughs> I am going to turn up now because he then like just went on an absolute mission. So yeah, yeah we'll see. I've gone for Carlos Sainz. I had a back in the Spaniards. I am back in the Span. Yeah. Oh yeah, you rule a Spaniard. <laughs> Doesn't quite work. Um, but uh, I did have somebody else in. I can't remember who. Uh, but I, as I was talking about science practicing in Barcelona, I thought, well, it's got to be him. I mean, we just seen Bottas go on a bit of a revenge tour in this last race and going from crashing out all the way up to third. I'm hoping science yeah. can do the same this weekend. Fingers crossed. Um, there we are. That brings us to the end of this podcast. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to Barcelona. Yes. Nice to Lovely to have back to back weekends of Formula One. It's oh, great. That was um, great. That was a great thing about last season. You had about I mean I think we had a back to back to back once. Yeah, we did. Uh, we had it a yeah, couple of times. Chaos, but loved it. Um if you want to hear our thoughts uh about the upcoming Barcelona or Spanish Grand Prix, I should say. Um why not subscribe if you're listening on YouTube and you'll uh, get a notification when the next uh podcast is out. Um equally if you follow us on Spotify, um you'll see any podcasts that we've done in the past uh, listed there. Um, God, we're on episode... Are we really on episode 26? 26. Wow. There That's we quite are. high. Um, and all 26 of those episodes will be on Pocket Casts, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker Pocket Casts, uh, Anchor as well. Yeah. Um, I believe that's all of them, isn't it? I think that is, yeah. I think that is. So, uh, Jack, pleasure as always. Thank you all for listening, and we shall speak to you soon. Mm-hmm.